Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. A Playlist Original. Just watch me. The medium is the message. Proof is approved. What kind of proof? It's approved. It has no core identity. Smash potatoes are no gravy. You know what I'm saying? Speaking uh, moistly on them. Hello and welcome to Just Watch Me. I'm Kate. I'm Liv. Today on the podcast, we are so excited to welcome Adila Carter and Amoy Henry. This dynamic duo are the founders of the company Pitch Better. Their mission at Pitch Better is to bridge the gap between women-led startups and their means to acquiring capital, uh, investment capital, and securing grants for their businesses. They are also conducting research to determine the key tools to help female entrepreneurs pitch better. Since they launched their company in 2019, they have supported over 306 Canadian businesses, and they have been featured in Flair, Forbes, and Refinery29. (laughs) Guys, it's the most amazing uh, bio I think we've had. So, uh, you know, congratulations on your company. (laughs) Well, damn. You make us sound so great. <laughs> that was really nice. That's a really nice intro. Well, that's just because you are. And we want to kind of get into your origin story. First, we want to know, how do you know each other? How did you meet? So we met in uh, like 10 years ago. Um, Adila and my, Adila's cousin and I were roommates. And um, I didn't really get to connect with Adila personally like one-on-one but I would just see her around and be like oh she's so pretty she dresses so well (laughs) her fashions are always on point and like kind of just looked up to her like a bigger sister and then um yeah like we were just like crossing paths and I think I had been um producing a I was producing my festival because I run a nonprofit. and she came and supported my event and she like just poured so much love into me and I was like more women need to be like her like this woman is everything because she just like has all these companies and like all these things going on and two daughters, but like she 
supports everyone and like genuinely makes people just feel like amazing. And I was like, wow, I need to know this person more. So then we just started hanging out a lot and uh, we had the opportunity. She was like being flown out to like Atlanta and DC to like host conversations with celebrities and um, the US Black Chamber and like just awesome platforms. And she was like, come with me. And I'm like, me? Like, okay. But like, I'm like a, a mouthpiece, right? So I'd be like, yeah, like you need to check out a deal. Like, you know, so we just bounce each other out. And we would spend a lot of time on the road uh, in the US, but also just like paying attention to what's happening in Canada. We're like, there's not a lot of support for women entrepreneurs here. Like there's all these conferences and big things in the US that we noticed and we are just like, what's our Canadian equivalent? And then like funding was coming out for the government, through the government and all these, you know, um, grants were being awarded to to companies and you know we did some research because we were like okay why didn't we know about this first of all um why didn't we know that the money was available and then why you know why aren't we getting access to it so the research really revealed to us that there was a specific grant i won't name it because we're not working with them so it looks kind of bad but there was a specific grant that awarded um 300 women, $100,000 for their businesses. Um, and there was like two black women and like three indigenous women out of 300. And we were like, something's wrong. Like, that's not cool. So we were just like, how do we, what can we do? Like, what can we actually do? So we tried to do research. We like looked on the websites. We went to Stats Canada, Industry Canada, BDC, and we're like, okay, maybe there's some data out there that we're not getting access to. And then we realized there's no data, especially race-based data. Um, it's even more nuanced when you're talking about like black women based data. So we were like, okay, we're gonna just do workshops. We're gonna connect, connect with entrepreneurs directly and gather, you know, primary research from like our direct exchanges with women. And we set out to do a national tour. So we literally created this um, program called Secure the Bag and we flew to different parts of Canada and brought women entrepreneurs together and delivered these workshops but actually used them on the back end to collect data so we could understand what challenges women entrepreneurs are facing. So that's kind of how we started off and then it just blew up because people were like whoa we needed you like 10 years ago and then media people started to like reach out to us because they're like, what's your data saying? What's your research saying? And then we would give them the data and they'd be like, whoa, like a lot of people are relating to this right now. So what you're doing is actually meaningful. So that's the kind of short version. Adila, I don't know if I, if I caught everything. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, she did catch everything. We've known each other for over 10 years. Um, Amoy is like my little sister. I have a little sister her exact age. So she just kind of fits into the flow. But um, over the years, like I've been watching what she's been doing and, you know, she became this incredible event producer, um, producing events for the AGO here in Toronto. Um, she, she did Art Basel in Miami, um, Afro Chic, you know, brought Issa Rae into Toronto for the first time ever, Erica Badu. Um, she was doing some amazing things, sold out events. 
And yes, when I was traveling a lot in 2019, I would be by myself sometimes and I'm like, oh my gosh, who would come with me? And I would just be like, Amoy, yeah, if you wanna come. And she'd be like, I'm on a flight. And she would just be there. <laughs> and we would be like each other's cheerleader and introducing each other to you know different people. And that spirit of like collaboration, I think is what really brought us together. We like have a genuine love for women. Like we are like invested in women and you know, anything to push women forward so it was it was so natural we came back from a trip i think from washington dc we had toured the capital we did all the sightseeing it was amazing and then we came home and we're like huh what are we gonna do now because we had been working separately all of this time what would it look like for us to collaborate on something amoy was like let's call it pitch better and <laughs> Just that easy. <laughs> yeah, it was that easy. <laughs> Our ideas are just like this. And um, we said that probably in September and flew out to Vancouver. Our first event was in October in Vancouver, BC. That's, so That's incredible. Yeah, it yeah. pulled out. That alone's amazing. Out. Yeah, uh, sold out wow. event. It was amazing. Like, just to even think about like us getting on that plane and flying out there. And it was, it was, and it's just been like that ever since. And that's just, sounds like you've had such a speedy rise. Like what is, how, what has that felt like in this past year and a little bit? Gosh, I, I think like at first it was really overwhelming for us because both of us, you know, having been in our businesses for the past 10 years, we knew what like a pace was. We also know that like success loves speed. So we were not going to slow down with Pitch Better. Oof. We were just- Put that on my tombstone. Success yeah. loves speed. <laughs> things were evolving. Like, you know, we had the workshops where we were physically there with the women that we loved. And then COVID happened and we were like, huh? The uh, same week we were supposed to, so the former governor general, Mikhail, Mikhail John, mm-hmm. you guys remember her, Mikhail John? Yeah. Well, somehow she found out about us or her people found out about us and they were like, we want you to come to Halifax, Nova Scotia for the um, Black Canadian Summit or something. And we were going to do workshops Yeah. with like the people in Halifax, the women entrepreneurs. And we were just so excited because she, like, Mikhail John, like, what the <laughs> hell, right? And then we got, they booked our flights, they booked our hotels, they sent us all the stuff. And then Justin comes on the TV and he's like, everything locked down. <laughs> so we were like, yeah. right, okay. So then, like, he just shut down the whole country, the whole world went into lockdown. And then, we noticed that a lot of women from our workshops were like, thank God for Pitch Better because because of Pitch Better, I started to build my online presence. Because of this, I have an e-commerce store. And we realized, oh, wow, like even one of our biggest clients is an attorney. Like she's a real estate lawyer and she was able to pivot during COVID because we had been like pushing that for so long, like always like be flexible and agile in business. Mm -hmm. And we just 
transitioned from like everything being in person to like a virtual experience. So we developed like a mentorship program. We developed like summits. We developed like uh, coffee hours, virtual mm-hmm. coffee hours where we would jump on calls with our, 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 our community and talk through things. And then we started literally like getting just so much attention from our community. Like I wrote a book mm-hmm. called Navigating COVID-19 um, and I listed like a lot of grants and resources and things that people from the community could get access to during COVID because there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of stuff happening all over the place. And Addie pushed it and support. She was like my PR because she read through the whole document to make sure that English was right. She like helped like me figure out like my branding and how to put it out there. And it was my first book in COVID, but like over 150 people bought it. So I was like, whoa, like I just made a book in COVID. And it, it helped translated in French. Yeah, it was translated in French. And the biggest thing for me was like, I just want to help people because yeah. people want to ask questions. And there's there's like not too many channels of communication that can help people in a way that they understand. Sometimes there's a lot of jargon. There's a lot of like overwhelming context and people just need the bare facts, the bare minimum. So we wrote this book and... Yeah, like Addie, she supported, like all the people were like, thank you so much for this book. People were sharing it on social media. I started getting all these followers. I'm like, damn, like this is what it is out here. (laughs) And then um, in the summertime, George Floyd happened, right? And then, you know, me and Addie, we were still doing our work, but we were on a little bit of a pause because I was in the middle of my MBA. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of stuff was happening professionally with Addie and George Floyd happened and I think I just had like a really, I don't know. I had one of those days where I was just so frustrated because of the situation of black women and like just feeling so crushed by like, you know, gender politics and race politics and just Mm -hmm. feeling like in the middle and nudged in between. And then just feeling this like economic disenfranchisement where it's like, I can't even help enough of us and I can't even do anything. And Addie and I were just talking about it. And then I just had a conversation with one of my my good friends, Danielle Graham. I wrote this article, like I sent it to her and I just was venting out stuff, data and stuff that we had been collecting and research. And she's like, I'm gonna send this to my friend at Beta Kit. And I'm like, what's Beta Kit? <laughs> she was like, I'm going to send it to her because this is really good. The way you framed it, the research. And sometimes I just write a lot and I just put things out there. Like, and I sent it to Addie. She looked at it and she was like, okay, I'm like, is this going to get us in trouble? No, it's good. Amoy. Do what you're going to do. So I wrote yeah. the article, beta kit published it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times it's been shared, probably over 10,000 times. Mm-hmm. Um, it went it, viral. It went viral. My article, um, it's, it's called um, The Horrifying Truth of Being a Black Woman Founder in Canada. And obviously, because I had some very strong thoughts, it ref- bounced off on Addie, bounced off on Pitch Better. Our followers went like up, um, like Refinery started following us and then Flair and they all started just like looking and being like, whoa, these girls are like talking to our core audience, which is women, Mm -hmm. but really just like putting the investment community under the bus because they're really leaving us out of the conversation, women and also BIPOC women. Mm -hmm. 
So I'd say that precipitated a lot of the busyness because people, we just got thrust into the spotlight and we're just trying to manage it and navigate it. And to be honest, that's how I actually discovered you guys was through the uh, the Refinery29 powerhouses of 2020 list, uh, which is so cool that you were a part of and uh, and you certainly are and, and we're in 2020. So I'm curious um, if you can get really specific about when businesses come to work with you what can they expect? What kind of services, what, what does it mean to have your mentorship and your guidance? It means so many different things because we're working with businesses at different stages. So, um, it can be, you know, the, the woman who just has a side hustle, but wants to now make it official. And so Amoy and I go through the process of, you know, registering a business, um, and what that looks like and being official on the books, um, knowing your finances, your financials, and, you know, from branding and marketing development, there's just so much that we do in that area. And then we have investors who will approach us and want to invest in businesses. So we, we do, Pitch Better has become this company that does it all. And we're growing so fast that we, you know, we have, we couldn't do this without our team. We have an incredible team of women that help us do two men now. We have two men on on our staff. We have 15 people on our staff. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, and I think investor is really, so we did, we did a virtual summit, like, you know, from Amoy's book and then her article um, you know, started the buzz. But when we decided to do Investor Summit in the fall of 2020, that blew things up even more. Um, we, you know, our, our purpose was to reach women across Canada. But because we were able to do this virtually now, we engaged people from all over the world. The globe attended Investor Summit. Um, and we had incredible speakers we held a pitch competition where um, founders won $10,000. It was wild. And from there, from September, it just has not stopped. Like Amoy said, we, you know, we, were, we were trying to engage um, a public relations firm to help us get the word out there. And after Investor, it yeah, better took on a life of its own. Um, you know, that's when Forbes, Refinery29, Flair, everybody was like, who are you guys and what are you guys doing? And, and yeah, it's just, it's evolving, ever evolving. And what we're working on now is we're just so passionate about this with our team of 15. Um, it's going to be mind blowing. Yeah. I will say like for investor that I totally, for, like, it was one of those things where you just did not prepare because we did not, we did not anticipate that that would make that type of impact because we're just like we we're used to like doing our instagram our instagram lives or our um zoom meetings where we get like 40 50 people but 300 plus people were in and out and it was a full day conference Mm -hmm. and there was people you could learn anything from financing and manage managing your cash flow statements to like um writing working on a pitch deck developing a pitch deck anything from like tax planning and sort of, you know, 
debt financing, mm-hmm. to everything for like the business owner, right? And like literally, like we people are asking, like, could you just do another one? We had like a company come and tell us, like, we want to work with you, and we're like, it's not until September, and they're like, no, let's start talking about it now, right? In December, they came to us, so it really made an impact. We have like the best. I don't know what it is. I think we have the best community that really believes in us and 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 they help keep us in check. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like we get DMs and um, emails where I just feel so overwhelmed that like I can't help everyone. Addie, I'm just like, we can't help everyone. How are we going to do this? So we were able mm-hmm. to get like funding now to hire consultants to help us support more people because mm-hmm. we were like, we're just two and there's, you know, how many women in Canada with businesses, like there's, there's, there's hundreds of thousands. So we really had to understand our bandwidth, but we know that the more exposure we get, the more things will materialize. And then the bigger, um, the stakes will be. So it's just a matter of like a a balancing act almost. Um, and, and in terms of the speed and how fast it's come, it's, it's really necessity breeds invention. Like we've had to pivot and adapt Mm -hmm. to COVID, to Mm -hmm. George Floyd, to all of the things that keep happening constantly. And we have to just stay ahead of the curve and sort of these events keep us, keep us thinking about, you know, new ways of working, new ways of engaging the community. Like we recently talked to one of our partners. We're we're doing a big massive study right now with um, Canadian Women's Foundation Brock University and Deloitte and um, they, and CIBC, sorry, CIBC for not shouting you guys out, (laughs) but they basically like one of our partners came to us and be like, are you guys seeing through the lens of just heteronormative women? Mm. And that checks Mm. the hell out of us because we're like, whoa, now we need to like reframe our minds. So now we're like getting coaching Mm -hmm. from a diversity and inclusion specialist that could help us be even more inclusive mm-hmm. to understand like, you know, the, like the different communities that, that, that are a part of like LGBT plus two spirited to just be more welcoming to those communities who might feel alienated from, you know, something that's focused on women. Right. Right. Yeah. So every day we're learning every day we're pivoting and every day people are like, giving us a reason to just feel affirmed in the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, you mentioned research initiatives. So I wanted to, to take this opportunity to ask you about found hers. And for those who don't know, it's research initiative, studying investment and financing options for black female founders. I know this is ongoing, um, but can you tell the listeners a little bit about found hers? You, you take this one. I'm like, well, man, so <laughs> Founders. Is this your passion project, Amoy? Is that why? <laughs> well, it kind of started off and then it's it really started off with um, the beta kit thing. But Adila and I had said from last year, March, mm-hmm. we were going to do a research study because what we were saying before, like nobody was collecting data on Black women. And we were just so confused because they're like, wait, Black women pay taxes and we contribute to the econ- economy like everyone else. Why isn't there data on how much we contribute, what our businesses are, you know, what we're operating and what the gaps are. So last March, we just boldly announced that we're doing this research study and we got, I don't know how many comments, 300 plus three to 500 comments. Yeah. 
um, of people saying yes, yes. And we were like, oh crap. So we actually have to do this. (laughs) Now we actually have to make it. (laughs) Yeah, because we were just going to like pull research, but it didn't exist, right? Like we thought we would just go and get like, do literature review and, and pull existing data. So it didn't exist. So it put us in a situation where we had to manually and directly go ahead and capture all the data. So Founders is really a visual and critical dashboard that lays out um, black women, black women led businesses across Canada. So what it will look like is an interactive map that you go on, you hover over the map and it will present all the businesses and organizations led by black women across Canada, organized by province and industry. And there'll be different ways of viewing the data. It'll it'll be available in French. It will be available in, um, so there's gonna be a distinction between the nonprofit and charity sectors and the for-profit business sectors. Mm -hmm. And um, there'll be sort of a lens that you can view it as an investor, as an institutional funder, as a fellow entrepreneur, um, and you'll just have options to click and view the data. Uh, What we're hoping it will be is sort of um, a database right? So it exists and people can know that these are the businesses out here. This is how much, you know, these businesses have raised in, in, in terms of VC funding or outside funding or debt financing, whatever. And these are the industries that they're playing in, right? These are, you know, the, this is a, the work that they're doing from a social impact standpoint to affect society and sort of make the world, make Canada a better Canada. Um, we have a, a robust team. We were able to, you know, raise um, $100,000 in funding. So we were able to hire on awesome people. So two month project. So like, it's not crazy. Like people are going to be bawling out of control, but it's a meaningful, um, meaningful ways to engage our, our, our people, um, in the business world, in the research world, and we're kind of merging those worlds, so academia and, and, and business, to sort of produce this because we want it to be tangible. We want it to be, you know, credible. We want it to be a reference tool for institutions and, and, and companies out there to know that, you know, we have a viable stake in the, the economy and we're making valuable contributions. Like investments in Black women entrepreneurs is an investment in Canada. And, you know, I think for us too, like with our original mission of just helping entrepreneurs, this allows us to give 500 women an opportunity to be seen on like a national scale. The visibility that these companies will get from this project is, it's, it's just remarkable that we can do this. And I don't like, I, you know, was this born out of COVID? Like these ideas, I feel like a lot of our ideas are just evolving because we're forced to be in this pandemic. Like Amoy is in West Africa, I'm in Toronto, but we're conducting business exactly the same way that we've been since March, 2020. Um, You know, we we don't get to like be together physically. So COVID has really pushed us outside of our comfort zone and allowing us to really do some incredible things that we we would never have been able to do. Another thing too is we have a spotlight on us, but we're also like amplifying and like 
pushing the entrepreneurs that we work with. So we feature, we have a newsletter and we feature the women entrepreneurs that we work with, that we interact with in our newsletter. And that goes out to, at this point, maybe it's about 12,000 people. And so we have like a huge responsibility on us, not to just absorb all this like fame and attention, but to like shine the light on businesses too, like Femme BNB, like, she created like an Airbnb for women only, right? Mm-hmm. And like, we're her coaches and she bigs us up every time. She's like, because of Pitch Better, this and this. And she's still raising her fund and like trying to get VCs behind her, but she's a bit displaced because of um, COVID. So mm-hmm. how, do, how do Addie and I help her? We make introductions for her to investors in West Africa, to investors in Europe. Right. And so now that kind of stuff is happening on the sideline. But we've been working with so many different types of business and I don't even want we're like industry agnostic. But the other day, like when I was still in Canada before we went under lock, we were sitting down and we were like, we really if we were we're always making these intros to investors, we should just ask them to give us money and we invest directly in these entrepreneurs. And we made a list of all the entrepreneurs that we would like invest in because there's something special about somebody that will never give up. Like they're relentless in their desire to win. And you can always see that in certain entrepreneurs. And that's who I personally would want to invest in. And we were sitting there, we're like, we're definitely investing in this. We're definitely, without knowing that we're like manifesting it because now people are, people are like offering to be like, oh, do you want to advise on my, you know, VC advisory? And do you want to do this? And we're like, how about you just like help us raise our own fund? Right. And so that's where things might progress to eventually. I don't know. And I'm just wondering, what is that? Do you think? Like when you say you see it in somebody, you just, you kind of know that's who you want to invest in. Like who are those businesses and what do they have? What is that factor? that it factor? I would say they are going to, they're, they're coachable. Yeah. They will do anything to be better. Mm -hmm. So they have a, like they have habits and tendencies that enable them to outperform their competitors and they have, um, a strategy. There's one of my favorite book, blue ocean strategy. Um, it really just talks about this idea of kind of getting in your own lane and staying focused and staying on target without thinking about who's around you, but being mindful of your major competitors, but working to differentiate yourself. And so one thing about the people that work with us, I feel like nobody comes to us if they're not serious. Would you agree, yeah. Addie? Like people yeah. are like, okay, I'm not going to waste their time because yeah. they're almost like, you can go to any business coach and waste their time and just dilly dally and just be like, but first of all, I'm an Aquarius. My personality is not conducive to time wasting. Like I would literally be like, I have 30 minutes, let's go or let's end. Addie is more like, okay, like, let me hear you. Like, you know, she's more like comforting and soothing. Right. But she's starting to become a shark. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. But I feel like people that come to us, they're serious because they're just like, if I'm going to go to these girls who are so busy and so many people are constantly getting at them, I need to come proper. So you will find these girls, they have their lean business model canvas, their decks, they have stuff together, maybe not the finances fully, but then that's where I come in because I love to deal with finances. Um, 
And those people are the ones that I, I, I think I have a hunch about that they're going to go far because they will not stop. Mm-hmm. And it's also something in somebody when they're a serial entrepreneur, if you notice that they have had other businesses, they've had other projects that they've started and completed, mm-hmm. then I see myself as, okay, I would potentially invest in you. Um, not all entrepreneurs are going to have exited businesses or businesses that are VC grade or businesses that can, you know, are, that warrants or, or quality um, businesses in a certain context to be able to get funding. But it's something about the founder that really is distinct where you know whether or not they're going to go far. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, yeah, the, that ability to evolve your business as well. Um, we see that when we start mentoring someone and how they can evolve in the la- in, in four or five months um, mm-hmm. with our coaching. So I think, yeah, being coachable is huge um, when we're talking about that it factor and the spark in their eyes. They're excited about, about this work. So, And I'm just wondering um, a little bit about, again, back to the two of you as people, like how has your, how do your individual skills kind of contribute to what you do at Pitch Better? We are like the perfect complement because Amoy <laughs> is like a shark and it's like boom, 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 boom. Like she can, I tell people this all the time. She can multitask like you have never seen. She will have like five projects on the go and that is just normal life to her. And then I'm, I'm a mom of two girls. So I'm very patient and like understanding and um, can slow her down um, and tell her, you know, go for a swim, Amoy. She, she messaged me and she's like, I, I went by the pool today. I had a swim and I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> like, thank you for enjoying a part of your Friday because she's, she's constantly going. So we kind of balance each other out and then bring different skill sets to the table. So um, we, yeah, we've, Amoy, do you want to elaborate more on that? Yeah, I think Addie has an amazing eye for marketing and branding, which is a huge part of business. And I think she can market anything. And like, like she doesn't talk about this, but like you guys know OVO, right? And all that stuff. She was one of the people behind OVO, One Love Teal, like these major brands and and women get like silenced or like erased a lot, but I don't give a shit. Like I say loud and proud and I talk about what my friends do. Um, But like 10 years, 11 years, 13 years ago, like before social media was so big, like this was a brand specialist that was thinking outside the box. So she really brings that edge to what we have. Like I can put together pitch decks and proposals but like ask me how to brand stuff I have no idea like I would just defer to Addie um for me my I think my strength is um in numbers and just understanding finances um and it and it probably is just based on the fact that I've had to like kind of I've been very independent since I was 17 18 years old I like left my house I had to kind of find my way muddle through life um, get into investment early because I really just didn't really have anything else to do with my time. I wasn't like uh, really into partying and stuff in my twenties. Like I really just wanted to buy a house and like retire by 35, which we're close, but yeah. Um, so I was really focused on numbers and studying data 
And I just didn't have the je ne sais quoi to kind of um, help businesses just directly. Like I would always defer to Addie to kind of round things out and just make things make sense and be palatable to the general audience. I think that's what makes us um, dynamic because we both know our strengths. Like you can have an amazing business idea. You can have amazing branding, but if you don't have the financials together, if you don't know how to do a balance sheet or understand your debt ratios, what are you doing? If you are operating a business, but not making money, it's not a business. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a hobby, right? And so we kind of bring our skill sets together to make sure that people are actually operating lucrative, maybe not lucrative all the way, but sustainable, um, growing businesses that they can either employ themselves or employ others. And I think that's ultimately what we bring personality wise, like our personality is different, but it's also very, um, if we were like both the same type of personality, I don't think we would have been able to like do as much because we would just be like, ah, I yeah. think this, I think that, but because we're so different, we were yeah. able to balance it out. Why is it so important that there is diversity in, in the capital that that's going out? Why is it important, you know, women are getting these opportunities because we obviously know that it is, but I'm, I'm hoping that you can identify that a little bit um, more articulately for the person who's, you know, never heard of your company. Why, why does it matter what you're doing? A big picture. Yeah, so I think that's a great question. Thank you, Olivia. Um, what I would say is, you know, when when you have access to capital and access to resources, you're less reliant on government supports and government systems, right? And right now we are in a pandemic. We don't there's we don't know when it's ending. Um, we know that there's a heavy reliance on the healthcare systems. We know that there's heavy reliance on social services systems and there's, you know, money is just running out. Mm -hmm. um, we create, when we create more autonomous people, we create a more autonomous society where people are paying taxes. People are relying less on the healthcare system because they, um, or healthcare or mental health or whatever, because they actually have the tools and resources to take better care of themselves and, and, and manage their finances and manage their households um, without so much reliance on the, the government and the wealth welfare um, programs. And I think that's just the biggest takeaway. Like we cannot, you know, we cannot have a society where we're not given a fair shot mm -hmm. to perform at our optimal best and maximum. And I think a lot of communities have had a head start and have had opportunities, whether it be through um, inherited money or inherited investments where, you know, the black community by and large, you know, we're not, um, a lot of people uh, from the black community, you know, we are immigrants. We're coming mm -hmm. here as immigrants where we're starting at ground zero. Um, and then, you know, there are families in different communities that have, you know, longstanding procurement contracts and, or government contracts um, where money is sort of just constantly like inherited to that family. And so you have a fat, like a, for example, an, a friend of mine who's Italian, they, their family has a government contract that's been in their family for almost a hundred years. Mm -hmm. And so they're able to sort of inherit and, and, and generate that generational wealth over and over and over. Whereas black 
entrepreneurs or black business people, they don't necessarily always have contracts with the government or these large scale firms where they have like a guaranteed check coming in. So we need, you know, the investment to not just come from the VC and the private community, but the public, you know, I, we are also consulting the government. The government should, you know, be hiring on more black contractors you know, be hiring on more diverse contractors that could then have these long-term contracts in, you know, the community that, that, that fuels wealth and that drives more autonomy, more, um, you know, self-reliance and, and individualism, the ability to really just reinvest back into the community. When we have the wealth that we need, we invest back into our community. And it's shown and it's documented that when Black women have opportunities we bring it back to the village we don't run off and just go to San Tropez and just soar our life we come back and we create programs and tools and we make our communities better and stronger and so that investment in us trickles back into the community and makes us stronger and um, more resourceful mm -hmm. I think that's a great answer that was uh <laughs> that was a great answer <laughs> <laughs> and um I know it's, it's early days, but I want to know what's the, like, what's the five, the 10 year plan for pitch better? Like, where is this all going? Wow. The five or 10 year plan. We, <laughs> I think we have so much scheduled in 2021 that it's like, we, it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we definitely, um, we're looking at creating a fund for, um, and we're, we're not sure what that looks like. Um, is it for black female entrepreneurs? Is it for uh, diverse entrepreneurs? Uh, but that is, that's one of our biggest goals. Um, and we would love to see happen soon in the near future. Um, Five-year plan, we haven't even sat down. We're actually supposed to sit down and do that this weekend. Um, for our business coach because we, yeah. we have a business coach shout out to Kate Collins <laughs> um, she's awesome no we so we've had talks of like building on our research and um, creating a research institute or accelerator incubator program that would be like federally or provincially backed and supported um, and partnerships with uh, business schools to make sure that there's different curriculum or courses that are culturally competent. So people that look like us, yourselves, us can walk into a business school and take a course and not have to learn about these like grueling technical concepts or like the construction industry, which we may or not care about. And <laughs> we, we want to kind of have those relationships um, with the acad with academia because we know that that's where it starts in school like mm -hmm. you know the pipeline is a the pipeline um, issue is a huge challenge in our community where there are a lot of uh, black youth or diverse youth dropping out of high school and just um, being sort of streamlined into college programs or not given the opportunity to, to, to go into university um, based programs or, or, or level, university level classes um, and just streamlined into the trades. So there's like a host of different politics there. Um, and so one of the things that I've been advocating for, I was actually able to is uh, a scholarship program for, for, for 
black individuals to be able to apply and go to my business school. Cause when I came, I had to find the hundred grand to afford school. And um, I said to myself, like, I'm in this class. I'm the only black girl. Like I'm the only black person in my class. Like I'm so isolated. I'm so alone. And I had so many like um, imposter syndrome moments where I'm like, I don't even deserve to be here. Cause no one looks like me. I don't get these concepts. I don't care about this shit. I don't want to learn about this boring, you know, antiquated like concepts. I want to hear about something that's palatable and that relates to me. And it starts by seeing people that look like me and learning about course concepts that relate to, 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 to what I want to learn about and also what millennials are doing. And so that's one of the biggest things that Addie and I have talked about too. It's like, how do we better integrate our work with the acad like academia? That's why we have a great partnership with Brock University and um, uh, York University as well, because we know that that's, that's sort of something that we need to start thinking about. And people don't have... Um, People don't realize that like, you know, it, there's a pipeline issue happening right now. Like why we don't see enough businesses that are scalable or that are in, in that are in tech or innovation is because people are sort of convinced or, or taught at a young age that that is too smart and that is too hard for them to, 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 to navigate or deal with. And teachers don't help a lot of the times either. So that's something that we've been thinking about. So the accelerator or the incubator, um, the research institute, more research, a fund mm -hmm. um, that we're, we're figuring out. And obviously just continuing to be at the granular level, like very connected to our communities because that what's, that's what differentiates us from any other like uh, business company out there. Like we actually are, can touch and feel our entrepreneurs. Like we are setting healthy boundaries now, but we actually know, they actually know they can reach out to us. It's not yeah. like you have to go through multiple layers to get access. And I just quickly, I really am interested in this. Um, you know, there's a lot of research that women stereotypically and, and, you know, do go into certain types of industries like health and beauty, um, you know, the food sectors and more so than manufacturing and technology. And I'm just curious, um, you know, how you think that impacts capital that's going to female businesses? So I just did a, so because I'm such a like, um, contrarian, I just did my research paper for my managing financial uh, resources class on Bumble going public because um, they're going for their, they're filing for their IPO status and just looking at the dating apps world, which is my professor was like, you are so different. Like he, like we had <laughs> a good relationship because I'm always coming up with things that are so far out of reach. And I actually, I actually agree with what you're saying. And Adila and I talk about this all the time because a lot of the entrepreneurs specifically in our communities um, and in just women in general do tend to lean towards um, businesses or starting companies and industries that are, um, yeah, like you said, uh, food and beverage, beauty, cosmetics, retail, fashion. Um, and I think that, we're changing it slowly. I think it's slowly changing because we realize that to be able to make scalable businesses where we can employ multiple people, we need to 
have a tech enabled component or we need to be able to be innovative in the way that we're you know forming like have a supply chain model that's um conducive to to being able to you know do b2b work right b2b business um because the business to customer um pipeline is 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 is, is a bit tr challenging to scale and build a big company um until unless you're opening like a franchise like a restaurant or something like that so that's something that we've been exploring. There's a lot of research. One of our research studies will actually look at that. Um, why, you know, why do we choose to go into those industries? You know, what is it that's so compelling? A lot of, from we've done the research, like a lot of the workshops that we've done and a lot of the data shows us that women are slowly starting to, but there's a huge intimidation factor around um, tech, and, and anything to do with finances, we know that that's the biggest insecurity of amongst our um, women. That's why we have so many workshops on managing finances, but case examples like Bumble, like Bumble is to show you that a woman working in tech, working at um, plenty, plenty of fish, I think that's where uh, Wolf Whitney, um, I forgot her name, sorry. And I just wrote about her, but she was working at uh, a, a large dating app company and got pissed off mm -hmm. and went and created Bumble. So it just goes to show that women are creating things and disrupting, mm -hmm. it's at a slower pace. Mm -hmm. And yes, capital is gonna take time to come in, but at the end of the day, like she, she was able to raise capital and she's just, done such fabulous things with with Bumble because she had a vision that she stuck to and in such a short span of time. So I think what it's really going to boil down to ladies is examples. It's not going to happen overnight. We just got to see more examples and we got to see tangible examples that we can touch and feel. Like Bumble is the biggest one to me because that's a woman-led one and the fact that she's going IPO. You have Spanx. You have so many companies that they might be in this um, this uh, retailer, like stereotypical women-led type of industry, but they're creating jobs, right? And they're creating, you know, opportunities. And those women, I think they're going to start to reach back and say, wait, I need to become an investor because I didn't have investors. Nobody believed in me. So now I have to go and invest in the next um, generation of women. And I think that's what it happens. It's going it's to take like probably 20 to 30 more years, to be honest with you. Or it could take 10 years, I feel but like it's going to take time. Like we're seeing, well, I'm seeing, and I'm sure Amoy is seeing that, and maybe both of you are as well, like seeing women contractors and developers. I'm seeing a lot mm -hmm. of that happening. And I'm like, this is so impressive. Um, and women are also looking at the opportunities too. Like they're paying attention and they're being like, okay, wait, I see that this is lucrative for this, for, yeah. for these people. And, and a lot of women now are like, let's just be, let's just call it what it is. Like, we're not in a rush to get married and have kids. Right. So we're more about exploring yeah. um, and taking risks financially versus 10 years ago, women were not taking risks financially. 10, 20 years ago, like dot-com era, like women were like still, I think, yeah, we were becoming more independent and stuff, but now it's like on fleek. It's super yeah. like leveled up. Like women are doing 
performing way better than men in our community, specifically in the black community. And we're just like, no, I need my bag. Like, I can't depend on you to come and give me a ring and kids like, let me secure my bag for myself. And then we can talk about all that. So I think that change is gonna also affect how women play in the investment space, but how we also navigate um, different in industries that we've been stereotypically shut out from. Um, but there's going to be a lot of disruption that you're going to see because all these men led businesses or company there, they fall apart like they don't they they make their money they do well but then they have some type of scandal, or they they make some type of mistake because they don't have the right people at the helm of the leadership. So you're seeing it happen and women have to step up and clean up the mess so eventually we're going to wake up and be like, I can start this for myself like Whitney right with Bumble. I think it's a good time to talk about this too with obviously this was a bunch of men on the internet driving this but with what's happened with GameStop does that not show you that this whole system is something that we've built and it's it's feeble and women are going to come in open more doors women are going to become investors and invest in more women-led businesses it's going to take time because one woman is going to invest in one woman and she's going to invest in two and then they're going to invest and then it multiplies so that's exactly how it happened for men right and people are getting That's tired sure. of like seeing the same narrative. Like people are getting tired of working for companies where it's an old white man. They're, they want, they don't want to even apply for that. And it's not cool yeah. anymore. And people contact pitch better and write in our, our, our um, emails and say, Oh, like, you know, we're from the diversity and inclusion team and, you know, we need advice or we need to better engage diverse professionals. Could you please, um, refer us to this and that and we're like see it starts from there because people are looking around and they're like oh like at this board table there's like all these like white straight men there's like no one else and you know it's not adapting to society it's not reflecting the society that we live in right and there's like 13 percent of the population is indigenous and I think it's about 10% of the population is LGBT and your workforce needs to reflect the population. If you don't have, you know, 10% of your workforce that's LGBT, it's not reflecting the largest, the, the society at large. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, a missed opportunity there. And they're realizing that diversity is a superpower now. It's not like just a thing to check off. It is actually something that amplifies you and gains you bigger market share really at the end of the day, because you'll be able to get access to more people. And I think the one thing that you tapped on too, that I think is really interesting is, you know, when you have these different perspectives, different than, you know, the hedo, uh, hegemonic perspective, let's say, you're going to have new ideas and you're going to have ideas that are, that right. them are never going to have like something like Spanx. About it. Yeah, like Spanx. Like Spanx doesn't get invented by a man. Like, Men don't even no know way. of Spanx. Like they still they don't, don't understand the need. They would never. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. to be honest, like, and we can problematize Spanx. Like we, you know, yeah. should but women even need Spanx? We're not. But, we're not Spanx neutral. But, <laughs> but you know, they're seeing we have a different lens. Exactly, and so exactly. I think that's what's so incredible about what your business is, is that, you know, you're, you're amplifying the voices of, of women who have these different perspectives, who come from all different types of communities. And, and I think that's so important. And, you know, one of my favorite things about what, what we've spoken about today has been this idea that you're, 
each other's cheerleaders, but you're also the cheerleaders for your community and your businesses. And you're just, you know, women who want to support other women. And I think that that is such a powerful message and, um, you know, how we should all be living our lives. So just to kind of, to end and to wrap up, I I'm just curious if you can like give one piece of advice, just like, a, a like really a sentence, like a parting advice to maybe to, um, you know, to nobodies who like maybe want to start a podcast or like, um, you know, just to people, you know, to women on the street who have this amazing idea, um, you know, for, uh, for a company, what, what would you say to them? What's the first step in, in getting started? Cause of course we talked about all these really different, difficult, you know, technical ideas and finances, but like, what is the first thing that they need to do to, to get going? It's always just start, you know, um, start where you are, you know, if you can't afford to build, to pay someone to build a website, learn how to do it yourself, make something really basic and simple. Um, but start. And I think networking is huge. Um, building relationships. Uh, one of my favorite books is, um, never eat alone by Keith Ferrazzi. And, he just talks about, you know, how building relationships. And if I had have known like all of my friends from high school, I would have gotten the entire high school, like their contact list and their numbers so that I could talk to them now because who knows where they are and what they're doing. And, and to build your net, your network is, you know, a direct reflection of what your net worth could be because there's yeah. always, you know, you can't do it alone. So engage, collaborate, learn, um, be a mentee, uh, just, and, you know, and being a mentee doesn't mean like calling someone up and saying, Hey, can you mentor me? Because a lot of people don't have time to do that. Um, but you can, you can see that like we live in this information age where you have access to so much information. So you can literally start and find the information as you go. And, and that's it. I think that's my, just jump in. You know what? I think that that's great. And, and such a full circle way to finish it because you're that that's your business. You know, your business is supporting other women and how do people get started by finding a community, you know, about getting a, becoming a part of something um, and just going for it. I think that that's honestly the, the best advice. Yeah, I, it is. I mean, that's what we did. We t you take the risk, you know, you take the risk. You do, you live outside your comfort zone. Um, you fly to DC and Atlanta and New York City and you invite your your friend with you and, you know, maybe <laughs> she's going to be a psychopath or maybe she's, you guys are going to build something incredible together, right? Like you don't know. It's always risky, but mm -hmm. take the educated guesses and, you know, never put yourself in danger, but really, yeah, it's, it's, you're risking it all to just live the life that you deserve. You've Liv given us so many that. quotes, <laughs> but it's funny because Liv always says that she's like, I'm, I know I'm going to be the one to jump off the cliff. I'm going to have to jump off the cliff. It's a cliff, but it's, I'm going to have to jump off it. Yeah. Take the risk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mine is super short. Um, I have it in my notes because I told you guys I write essays to myself. Um, <laughs> I learned long ago that winning doesn't always mean you get the prize. Sometimes you get progress and that counts. 
Hmm. And that just builds on Addie's point. Like you're not always, you're not gonna maybe not be a millionaire. Not all of us can be millionaires. Not all of us can be entrepreneurs. Not all of us can get, um, create um, VC grade businesses or, you know, earn a lot of capital, but you started, you did something that provided employment for yourself and others. And that's important. And that deserves recognition and you know always give yourself your flowers and take time for self-care and mental health yes Um, because it's not worth burning out and you're on earth to enjoy life um and to have a valuable experience as a as a as a human being navigating the world but don't let entrepreneurship drive you into craziness always like take note of your progress and be grateful for all the steps you've taken to get to where you are. That's we're going to have inspirational quotes on our Instagram now for the next like (laughs) six months of just this conversation. You guys have been so inspiring and motivating. What's your Instagram page? Our Instagram is thanks for asking. uh, Just watch me pod. (laughs) And can you guys, um, you know, Tell everyone where they can follow you, how they can find you. Oh, your page is lit. Okay, yeah. we just followed you. I, yeah, <laughs> I think I just followed you guys today. And I'm like, this page is dope. It's so, I love it. Thank I love you. it. Love it so. so proud of you Thank guys. You, you so guys much. are amazing. We're going to IG stalk you now. <laughs> stop, stop. Okay, but where can, where can people find you? Uh, we're so easy to find um, at Amoy Henry, at Adila Carter, at Pitch Better. Um, super simple to find us on, I think, all our platforms. Perfect. Yeah, so we're on everything now. Everyone needs to give you a follow. And thank you so much uh, for coming and chatting with us tonight. We had so much fun. Thanks for having us. Thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.